0: pray for us right now before Smiley comes up. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Jesus, and dear Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you so much for Veterans Day and just the remembrance of of all the men and women that continue to serve and have served in our military. We thank you for them. We thank you for their service and their sacrifice to our country so we can have the freedoms that we have and that we enjoy each and every day. We pray that you'll just bless them as they bless us. Lord, I pray for Smiley. I pray that you would just um, continue to guide him and pour out your grace and mercy and wisdom to him. Thank you for his commitment to this church and commitment to you. And I pray that you would just help him speak the words of Jesus so that we can actually be inspired to be more like you. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much for being here. I I, I welcome you. We welcome you, Lord. And we just thank you so much for... um, who you are, and I just pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our souls so we can receive the word and be changed from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, Jeff. Good news, church. Uh,
1: Do you know we're in the hope business? That we're actually hope dealers. And uh, what we pedal is hopium. We get to offer hopium to others. And when people hear the good news, people put their faith in Christ. And this week we rejoice at seeing one person who put their faith in Christ. And we rejoice with that. Don't you love to hear good news? Because if you turn on the news, what you often hear is just bad news after bad news after bad news. And, and the good news we're really going to focus in on today, the point of the message today is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Would you say that with me? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I did a memorial service yesterday. I am so glad that Jesus is the resurrection, that Jesus gives life to the dead, aren't you then? And that's what we're going to explore, that Jesus is the resurrection and he's the life. We're continuing our series uh, called, Who Does Jesus Think He Is?, and Jesus tells us who he thinks he is, right? And who he tells us that he thinks he is is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 11. And, and if you don't, uh, get a Bible. If you need one, there's one in the lobby. It's the Word of God, and we get to gather together and open it and, and see Jesus together. And this story is so good as we get to know how Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John 11, verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So what do we learn? We learn the characters in the story. We have Lazarus. And his sisters, Mary and Martha. We learned they're from the village of Bethany and, uh, and that Jesus loved them. They were friends of Jesus. In a world that was very hostile to Jesus and increasingly hostile, he was welcomed in their home. Don't you love Sunday morning? Isn't it a friendly place, a place and a hostile world to our faith where we can come together? And that's what the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha was to Jesus, a safe place where he was welcome. So Lazarus is sick, and the sisters sent word to Jesus that he was sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Isn't it nice to know that God is sovereign, and even when bad things come into our life, God has a purpose in it, that Lazarus' sickness was going to bring glory to God? Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. <laughs> well, if he loved them, why didn't he come? as we get to know the story we're going to find out that when Jesus gets to uh, where Lazarus is he's been dead for four days so Jesus was beyond the Jordan River and and Lazarus was probably already dead when the messenger got to him and said that Lazarus is sick um, So when he heard this that he was sick he stayed two days, longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, "'Let us go to Judea again.' The disciples said to him, "'Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, "'and are you going there again? "'Don't you know it's dangerous?' Jesus answered them, "'Are there not twelve hours in the day? "'If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, "'because he sees the light of the world. "'But if anyone walks in the night, "'he stumbles because the light is not in him.'" Jesus was still here on earth, and he was still working. Then he said, uh, this he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. (laughs) The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus said he's asleep, and Jesus wasn't teaching soul sleep like some churches teach, that when we die, our soul sleeps until Jesus comes back. What he was using as the term asleep was a euphemism for death. He was saying that Lazarus had died. Just like today, very few people ever say that their loved one died. They'll say what? Well, they passed. They passed away. And in a similar way, Jesus said that uh, he was asleep. Um, But Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And listen to this, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Jesus said that he's glad that Lazarus had died because the disciples were going to see more clearly who Jesus is when he would raise him from the dead that Jesus would reveal himself to the disciples in this miracle. Therefore, Thomas, who is called Didymus, which means twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Say, four days, so a day for the messenger to get to Jesus, two days that he waited, a day to get there, that um, Lazarus had probably died before Jesus even got the message. Um, Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. I I like to see where this is taking place. So I have a map here, and you you see Bethany? It's a little bit east of Jerusalem. That's where this is taking place. It's about two miles east of um, Jerusalem. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to, to console them concerning their brother. So Mary and Martha were quite well known. Many came to comfort them. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, notice what Martha said. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Sometimes people say, well, in the Older Testament, in the Older Testament, they really didn't believe in eternal life. They didn't believe in in life after death. But it's not true. Let me show you in, in the book of Job, what many people believe is the oldest book in the Bible. In Job 14, 14, Job says, If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle I will wait until my change comes. Job believed that one day he would be changed. Or how about this in John or in Job 19? Listen to this. As for me I know that my Redeemer lives. So in perhaps the oldest book in the Old Testament, uh, Job says, I know my Redeemer lives and at the last he will take his stand on the earth and he knew that one day the Redeemer would come. <clears throat> And then he says, even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. And so Joe believed not only in eternal life, but he believed in the resurrection of the body and, and life everlasting. And that's what, that's what Martha are, is saying here. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And in response to that, in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, he who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the fifth, the fifth of the great I am's in John. We've been doing this series, Who Does Jesus Think That He Is? And, and he's been telling us. And, and here are the seven I am's that we're going to look at. Remember we started with I am the bread of life, and then we looked at I am the light of the world, and then I am the door, and I am the good shepherd. And this week, I am the resurrection and the life. Next week, we'll look at I am the way and the truth and the life. And then I am the vine. Then we're going to have two bonus I ams, and that will lead us right into Christmas. But when Jesus said, I am, speaking to a Jewish audience, he was claiming to be God. And notice what he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't point and say, there's the resurrection, there's the life, run there. No, he says, I am I am the resurrection and the life. Notice he doesn't say, try harder. You're doing a good job. Just try a little harder and you can work your way to heaven. He says, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. When he says, I'm the resurrection, he says, I'm the one who raises the dead. And when he says, I'm the life, he says, I'm the one who gives life. Life that's abundant and life that's eternal. I am the resurrection, the one who raises the dead and the life, the one who gives life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies, that those who believe in Jesus and die, they will live forever, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Those that believe in Jesus when he comes back will never die. And then he asked the question, do you believe this? And let me ask you, do you believe this? She, Martha, said, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes Uh, into the world. And she said, yes, I believe that. I believe you're the Savior. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up and quickly and was coming to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet. Uh, now, there's many Marys. It's hard to keep them straight, but this is Mary, the, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And Every time you find this Mary in the Bible, where is she always? She's always Where? She's always at Jesus' feet. I I love that. She's always sitting at his feet, uh, and that's what she was doing here. Um, She fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble." Um, there's a pattern we see with Jesus that Jesus saw people. He felt compassion for them, and then he helped them, right? Notice he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. <laughs> in English, the shortest version of the Bible, uh, sometimes like parents will pay their kids to memorize Scripture. They love John eleven thirty five. 35, right? You can memorize that pretty easily. Jesus wept. Uh, but, but why did Jesus weep? You know, it doesn't tell us, does it? Uh, I think certainly part of it was that Jesus hated death, don't you? Because death is not the way things were meant to be. Brothers were not meant to be pulled away from their sisters, and children were not meant to be pulled away from their parents, nor parents from their children. Jesus wept because death is a terrible, terrible enemy. And I believe Jesus also wept because he knew that he would have to die so that we could live. Uh, Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within. Three times we see how he was deeply moved, right? Came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Now, I want you to notice the practice in the Bible from the, in the Older Testament and the Newer Testament when someone died, their practice was to bury them because Christians have always showed a respect for the body, so Lazarus was buried. But notice as well, he was buried how? In a tomb, which was been a cave, this is so much like Jesus, Lazarus' death. He also was put in a cave. There was also a stone rolled against the front, just like Jesus. Jesus said then, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Um, Jewish people did not practice embalming. So when someone died, they would bury them that day. It had been four days, and so he would smell. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. And because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus wanted all those there to. To believe in him. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Lazarus, come forth. You know why he said Lazarus? Because if Jesus had just said, Come forth, do you know what would have happened? All the dead, all of the tombs would have come forth. And that will happen one day. One day. One day the Bible says, Jesus will come back, and Jesus will speak. And all the dead who have ever lived will rise bodily from the grave just like Lazarus did here. But Jesus didn't want that to happen, so he just said, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth. Now, I want you to know, Lazarus didn't want to. You know why? Because he was in paradise. And so Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, I'm not so sure I want to, right? Why would he want to leave the land of the living to go again to the land of the dying? Why would he want to die again? But when Jesus calls, people respond, right? The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a, with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Let me ask you, <laughs> What can dead men do? What can they do? What? Nothing except maybe stink, right? But listen, when Jesus spoke, Lazarus came to life, and then he heard his voice, and then he responded. You know why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And when Jesus speaks, the dead come to life. Now notice the reaction, therefore many of the Jews Who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. Many believed, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Uh, But others went and reported that this because they responded to Jesus in a very hostile way. Whenever Jesus is preached, there is hunger. Some people love to hear it and they move from death to life, and there's others that respond in hostility. But I want to encourage you to share the gospel. Because do you see the difference in verse 45? What? Many of the Jews, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him, but some. So it sure seems like there were many more who responded favorably than those that responded less favorably. So we see here that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And I'd like to begin to unpack that for you a little bit. By asking you the question, why did Jesus do miracles? Why are there miracles in the body, in the Bible? And I'm going to give you four reasons of why Jesus did this miracle. And the first is to authenticate his identity. Why did he raise Lazarus from the dead to authenticate his identity? That miracles in the Bible are often called signs and wonders. They're called signs and wonders because they point to something. They point, and most of the miracles in the Bible were done by the apostles or the prophets because they brought new revelation, and the miracles authenticated their identity. So here in verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Well, why should we believe that? Why? Well, Exhibit A, right? Exhibit A is Lazarus, right? Exhibit A, Jesus spoke and the dead came to life, right? It authenticates that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And Exhibit B is Jesus' resurrection, right? That, uh, remember that the Jewish people said, Jesus, give us a sign, give us a sign that you are who you claim to be. See, they wanted a sign, and what did Jesus say? He said, what? Put me to death, and what? And I'll rise on the third day. And so exhibit B that Jesus is the resurrection and the life is that on the third day, Jesus walked out of the tomb. Why should we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and life? Because he raised Lazarus and he raised himself. So the first purpose of his miracle was to authenticate his identity. The second was simply to show compassion. Listen, Jesus is full of compassion. He's full of compassion. So when he saw needs, he met those needs. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. He was moved, and so he responded. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Verse 38, so Jesus again being deeply moved, Jesus would see people Jesus would feel compassion. Jesus would minister to their needs. His miracles are all about showing his compassion for people. The third reason, the third reason Jesus did miracles and the third reason he raised Lazarus from the dead is it's a preview of coming attractions. It's a preview. Jesus came once and he's coming again. And when he was here on earth, he gave a preview of coming attractions. When Jesus opened the eyes of the blind, one day on earth, there will no longer be people who are blind. Jesus opened the ears of the deaf, one day on earth, there will be no more death. Jesus healed the lame, one day, no one will be lame. Jesus raised the dead because one day, one day when Jesus comes back, there will be no more death. And don't you hate death? I hate death, wouldn't you love to live on earth where there was no more death? One day, one day it'll be true. And how do we know it's true? Because when Jesus was here the first time, he gave us a preview of coming attractions. And the fourth reason Jesus did miracles was all of the miracles Jesus did are a picture of the gospel. All of the miracles that Jesus did, they're pictures of the gospel, when the blind could see, that's a picture of the gospel. When people come to faith in Christ, blind people see. Listen, when, when deaf people had their hearing restored, that's a picture when people come to faith in Christ, their hearing is restored. When the lame walk is a picture of Christians, that when Christians uh, come to faith in Christ, the lame walk. And you know what happened? The dead come to life. The dead come to life. Look in Exodus 34. In, I mean, not Exodus, in, in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, wow, how did I get to Exodus 34? <laughs> Back in my right mind, notice this verse, Ephesians 2:4. But God, being rich in mercy, his love for helpless people, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were, what? When we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. When we were dead, Jesus spoke. And because we heard his voice, that's the evidence that he's raised us from the dead, right? Theologians call this effectual calling. Effectual calling. You know what effectual calling is? Listen, Jesus always gets his man. He always gets this woman because when Jesus calls someone, not only does he send someone to share the gospel, but he sends the Holy Spirit to raise the dead, to raise the dead so that the deaf can hear and the blind can see and the lame can walk and the dead come to life. (laughs) Oh, people often ask me, smiley, you know, have you ever seen a miracle? Every, Every conversion is a miracle. Because every conversion, the dead come to life, and the blind see, and the deaf hear, and the lame walk. So, why did Jesus raise Lazarus? Why did Jesus do miracles to authenticate his identity? It it was to show compassion. It was to give us a little preview of coming attractions, what it's going to be like on the new earth. And they're all a picture of the power of the gospel. So, let me ask you, do, do you believe the gospel? Look at verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. But what he's saying is if we don't believe, then we won't live, right? Listen, do you believe the gospel? Do you believe both the bad news and the good news of the gospel? Uh, The bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin. The Bible says it's a universal problem. It says for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Uh, that we all do and say and think things we ought not to. uh, I mean, can we talk? Aren't you afraid the people in here might find out what you did this week or what you said or what you thought? God knows. And, you know, sin is primarily not an offense against others. It's a crime against God, and we're all guilty. And God says what we deserve for our sins against him is eternal death, which is hell itself. The bad news is we have a problem called sin. But the good news is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth to seek and save helpless sinners. Oh, this week we were reading in First Peter, weren't we? Look at this verse. You want some good news? For Christ. Do you know who Christ is? He's God-made man. For Christ also died for our sins. God the Son put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life. Unlike all the sacrifices in the Old Testament, He died once for all, the just for the unjust. The one who had never sinned took our sins upon Himself. He became our substitute to die on the cross and to atone for our sins. He died once for all. Why? The just for the unjust. Why? So that he might bring us to God. That he might bring us back to God. That he might reconcile us, right? To God having been put to death but made alive in the Spirit. So on the cross, the one who had never sinned became sin, died in her place. Um, didn't stay dead, though. On the third day, he rose. Now, follow me. Listen, death is the penalty for sin. And because Jesus had paid in full the penalty for sin, death couldn't hold him any longer. So Jesus walks out of the grave and offers us the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life, which is forgiveness for sins. It's the opportunity to do life and eternity with Jesus. Um, how do we get this gift? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, it's through believing in him. Do you? He who believes in me will live even if he dies. When you believe in Jesus, you're forgiven. You get to do life with him and eternity with him. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, what does it look like to believe? We love to say it's as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. Don't we see that with Martha? Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ. You're the Savior, the Son of God, who has come into the world indeed to save sinners. Believing in Jesus starts when we admit. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or I'd be glad to help you as we close in prayer. But it starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And then it moves on to believing. I believe. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. I believe that you're the resurrection. You raised the dead. You're the one that gives life. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord, to to commit to Jesus as Savior says, I'm not going to trust in myself anymore. Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior. And I want you to forgive me and, and give me eternal life, won't you? I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, won't you do that? And if you have, listen, if you know Jesus, he says, I am the resurrection, won't you say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for raising me from the dead. He says, I'm the life. Thank you for giving me life, real life, an abundant life, life now and life that lasts forever. So we've learned that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and we come now to our action step for this week. What I'd like for you to do is to be a hope dealer, to be a hope dealer, yes. And and, and how do we do that? Remember this week? Remember this week we were reading in 1 Peter. Let me show you this verse in 1 Peter. This is so good. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Listen, if you're a Christian, you've been raised from the dead, Jesus has moved in, and he says, follow me. Follow me, right? So as we follow Christ, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence. So what is hope? Hope is the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. Hope is the joyful expectancy that the best... Do you you see a lot of hope-filled people in our culture? I'm continually talking, oh, it's so bad. Listen, we have hope. (laughs) We're hope dealers. We get to peddle hopium, right? That the best is yet to come. So let me ask you, what is it that robs us of our hope? What steals our hope? Well, only the past and the present and the future, right? The past robs our hope because of our failures. How can we hope for a better tomorrow when we've messed up? Our past robs us of hope. Our present, the futility of life. Living as broken people in a broken world is hard, isn't it? I mean, being married is hard. (laughs) Being single is hard. (laughs) Parenting is hard. Being parented is hard. Work is hard, isn't it? Being unemployed is hard. And if that wasn't enough, before we recover from one hurricane, guess what? We have another, right? Oh, the futility of life. Doesn't that rob us of hope? Oh, and then there's our future. Our future robs us, right? Because when we look down the road or we look in the mirror, we we always see death kind of laughing at us. You're going to die. You're going to die. So if we're going to be hope dealers... (laughs) If we're going to be hope dealers, we need to learn how to preach the gospel to ourselves first so that we have hope, so that we stand out in our culture. And as we're filled up with hope, then we get to give hope to others. So I'm going to share with you how to preach the gospel to ourselves. This week, why not get up and have breakfast with Jesus and preach the gospel to yourself, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and because a dead man walked out of the tomb, we can be confident that our failures are not fatal. Our failures are not fatal. No one fails more than me. But remember what we read in 1 Peter 3? For Christ also died for sins once for all. How does our culture deal with failures? Our culture on one hand says, wasn't that bad, wasn't that bad, but we know it was bad, right? And then on the other side, our cancel culture what says, what you did was so bad, what is, there's no way back. There's no way back. But what does the gospel say? The gospel says our sins and our failures are a really big deal. But God the Son paid the penalty for our sins. And the moment we believe in Christ, we are forgiven of all of our sins. I don't know about you. But no one fails more than me, and I am so thankful to be a Christian. I'm so thankful to know the resurrection and the life. And he walked out of the tomb, and I know the penalty for my sins are paid in full, and our failures are not fatal. I preach that to myself over and over again, won't you? Listen, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day that our, fi- our lives are not futile, our lives are not futile. Life is hard, isn't it? But notice what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, Jesus says, I've raised you from the dead. I've got a purpose for your life. I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, to be a Christian, we have a friend. We have a friend we get to do life with. We have a purpose. Jesus has left us here on earth to be hope dealers. We're surrounded by people without hope, and we're here to offer them hope. And he encourages us. Look at verse 45. Many of the Jews, you see, when, when the gospel is shared, there is hunger and many will come to faith in Christ. There's also hostility like we read in verse 46. Listen, our lives are not futile. We get to do life with a friend. Our life has purpose. And, and listen, our, our death is not final. Our death is not final. Isn't that what Jesus said? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And you know what's so great about Jesus? Jesus went first, right? Jesus shows us what's going to happen to us when we die, right? Don't you remember him on the cross? Don't you remember? He said to the thief, remember what he said? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know what our future looks like? The moment we die, we go to paradise. That's pretty good, right? But you know what the best thing will be? We'll be with Jesus in paradise, right? Huh? Wow. So thankful to be a Christian, right? We need to preach the gospel to ourselves, don't we? We preach the gospel to ourselves, right? So that we realize that our failures are not fatal and our lives are not futile and our death is not final. And then after we're filled up with hope, we can give it away. (laughs) Listen, I want to offer you an opportunity to to preach the gospel to others. See Priscilla up on the front row? Priscilla has a heart. For all the people moving into our county and and into the new neighborhoods on, on Wildwood, And so Priscilla is forming a team of people. She's developed a door hanger. And and they're going to walk through the neighborhoods and all the people moving in and and invite them to church and invite them to come and see Jesus. And so if you'd like to be a part of that team of of going out and sharing that hope with others and inviting people to come and, and praying that God might open up gospel conversations, would you mark that on your card? Because we'd love to have a team of people that are walking through neighborhoods and inviting people to come. When we're filled with hope, we want to offer that hope to others, right? Oh, who do you know? Who do you know who'd love to hear what we learned today? Who do you know who's undone by their failures? Won't you go and share? Who do you know who's overwhelmed by the futility of life? Won't you go and share? This past week, I met with so many people overcome by the futility of life, and it was so good to point them to Jesus. Who do you know who's who's overwhelmed? They've got a bad report from the doctor. Won't you go and share with them that Jesus said that when we believe in him, we will live even if we die? And this week, this week when we're having conversations and someone shares with you their failures, say, me too. When someone shares with you how futile life is, step toward them and say, me too. When someone says that, that, listen, that that they got a bad report or or they're afraid of dying, say me too, step toward them and then say, hey, could I share with you? Could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? You know what we learned? That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And you know what that means? It means that our failures are not fatal. It means our lives are not futile. It means our death is not final. This week let's remember Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And let's preach that to ourselves. And then let's go and preach it to others. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so glad you are the resurrection and the life. We're so thankful that you died on the cross once for all the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. And we're so thankful you walked out of the tomb proving that you are the resurrection and the life. And thank you for offering us eternal life, forgiveness and abundant life and life with you forever. And and listen, if you've never received this gift, wouldn't you like to? One day it'll be too late. Won't you tell Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and and be my Savior and forgive me and and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who have believed in you that we would thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for calling us. Thank you for raising us from the dead. Lord, we're so thankful that our failures are not fatal. Thank you. We're so thankful we get to do life with you. Our lives are not futile. Lord, we're so thankful that our death is not final. The best is yet to come. Lord, help us to preach that to ourselves this week. And Lord, help us to go this week and to share our hope with others. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.